Hey everyone, in this episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley, we said that we were going to talk about a Christmas movie, but neither of us watched it, and it's the week before Christmas, or the week of Christmas, the week before Christmas. I don't know how to classify that when Christmas is on a Sunday. I guess the week before, I think it's still the week before, it's not the week of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the podcast is probably going to release the week of. That is true, so... We didn't watch the Christmas movie, and that's all you really need to know. We failed in our homework yet again. We did not understand the assignment. Anyways, so we figured we'd talk about something, uh, well, that's kind of Christmas, but it's going to go on a totally different tangent that's more like relevant to stuff going on right now, like we do. As we do. So, Danny, what do you want for Christmas? Things I want for Christmas. Um... I don't love this question. It was so easy when I was a kid to answer this question. I just like, I had a list memorized all year. And if somebody asked me, I was like, here it is written, notarized, whatever you want. Here's a list of things I want. Now as an adult, it's like, if I've wanted something throughout the year, unless it's like a really big ticket item, I've generally bought it for myself. And nobody's going to like spend a ton of money on getting me like the big ticket items that I was hoping for. So all that to say, um, Probably for Christmas, I would be happy if I got like hunting stuff or like collecting related stuff. Like, I don't know, I need a new bino harness or a tripod, or I've been eyeing a scabbard for one of my M1 Garands because they made cool leather scabbards for him. And I think that's neat. So I don't know, stuff like that is probably what I would. Or a really, since my birthday and Christmas are close together, a really nice cake. Oh my God. When was your birthday, Danny? Don't worry. Oh no. Will Facebook tell me? (laughs) Your Facebook will tell you, or I'll tell you after the fact. Oh no. It was like, I feel like that was like, you just had to like squeak it in there. (laughs) I I regret like giving out that level of personal detail on a podcast now, but oh well. You, I, no, I felt like it was a little bit of like a like a some shade towards me. Oh no, no. Okay, I was like, all right, Danny's birthday, where you are older than me. Surprisingly, yes, I am. Danny, I'm you're working on becoming a middle-aged white guy. How does I'm, that feel? I'm working on it very, very much. I'm most of the way there. Um, I don't love it. Everything kind of hurts now. Uh, what are you, thirty-five? Almost. Almost. Oh, no. I'm getting old, too. But I feel like, you know, if this was back in, like, I don't know, olden times, you would be a middle-aged white guy. I'd be ancient by middle age standards. Well, yeah, if we're talking, like, colonial America, you'd just be dead. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So, now that we've done that tangent far enough, Ashley, what would you like for Christmas? Well, Danny, I would like a PhD. <laughs> PhD. I don't know that I can afford that since I'm still paying off my own student loans. See, and I was very fortunate when I got my master's degree. I just don't think that I can get one in the next six days. Probably not. And life pro tip for everybody that listens to this podcast and might be thinking about a graduate degree. Do it the Ashley way. And get the university pay for it. <laughs> Don't yeah. do it my way. 
Don't do it Danny's way. Yeah, through the University of Delaware. I don't know. This is a weird pitch for the University of Delaware. Um, they actually paid us to be students. I mean, they didn't pay as much, but is hey. they paid our tuition and they gave us a stipend. It's pretty nice. That's, That's a pretty, pretty solid way to do grad school. Yeah, I anyway. highly recommend. So however, actually... if you're going to do grad school, you should probably just go for your PhD. Maybe. And since my gifts, I said, were related to hunting and collecting, what is your PhD related to? Well, Danny, I've had a fun few months. So as a lot of you guys know, um, I do a lot of different things with firearms history, but then also like military history, uh, crime history. Um, I'm rolling a dark tourism. I think it's fascinating to, you know, try to understand the history, the, the, the darker side of the histories that we study and we know about. Um, so I build and rebuild museums, which apparently is irrelevant. Um, but then I also periodically, uh, do expert witness testimony and, uh, that's always gone pretty well. And I did, to be fair, I actually started in product liability and then I moved into like, I worked on a murder case for the crown. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I think my second expert witness case was actually working for the Canadian government um, to provide historical background on ammunition that was used in a murder case um, that involved a rapper in Nova Scotia, Halifax. <laughs> Known case, internationally for its hip hop scene. Yeah, uh, that case was so weird. I mean, it was just so weird. Um, and I also didn't know why they needed me as an expert. But, um, you know, I just provided like a history of Winchester, the USCCO cartridge company, which that was, you know, redundant, if you know what that stands for. <laughs> and then I had to do a head stamp analysis um, to try to determine at least what the cartridge case um, dating would have been, which was so much fun. The White's Guide to Head Stamps. That's so, your jam now. So interesting. Well, that was like eight. No, that was like six years well. ago. But no, it's really interesting. Um, and then I got into I don't know trade dress. Um, and then I started doing some Second Amendment litigation. And the background on that that's interesting for me is you know as we've talked about before on the podcast when I testified in front of Congress, um, and that I you know is it wax prophetically on? Sure. This goes to my yeah. credibility, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know words. Uh, but no, like, I mean, the one thing that we talk about a lot is the desire to provide historical information. And it's not our job to decide on the outcome, but that we want to provide, you know, as much information as we possibly can to help those people sure. make informed decisions. And so I've enjoyed those testimonies because, you know, for me, it's just, OK, what's the history here's the history, you know, do what you will with it. And I've had really positive experiences with everybody. So I think we talked about when I worked on Miller, uh, which is circled back around. Um, but when I did my deposition for Miller with um, the state attorney was so interested in what I had to say and like so grateful and thankful at the end of my deposition that, you know, that he had learned something and that he appreciated that I didn't get you know, hot-headed or emotional. It just was what it was. And, and he found it incredibly educational. Um, so I'm giving all of that because I've been very proud of building my reputation on, you know, just providing the information that I can track down at the time and, you know, hoping that it's helpful to people. Um, however, 
recently I had a new experience, which was um, so it, it, for people that aren't aware of what's going on. So there was a there was a Supreme Court case that happened. Was that earlier this year, Danny? Uh, yeah, I don't. I, you probably know the time, Honestly, my, but it's been this year. My year is running yeah. together. But basically, because of the Supreme Court decision, a lot of cases that were like, you know, making their way up there got bounced back um, into the lower courts. And so there's just been a lot of cases recently. Um, and so I provided a testimony and it was really I mean, it was a lot of work because it was on such a tight turnaround and I was responding to people. And, um, you know, I I don't know. I think I have a pretty good resume, especially for someone who's 33. Um, and the judge wrote his, you know, summary. And uh, instead of spending some time having, you know, finding flaw in my actual argument, he said that I don't essentially have a resume that is worth noting. So therefore, you don't really have to take into consideration anything I have to say because I don't have a PhD. So my research is irrelevant. I mean, that was, Danny, yeah, you read it. I read it very stressed. So you, I mean, that was basically I it. think that is a very, and everything is like couched in like the very legal, like they have to say like, you know, they put like respectfully at the beginning of a thing and then proceed to just like tear you apart you know, like the very legal like professional way to tell people that they're dummies and it, this was very much like a professional saying you like a, attempted way to say that your input is worthless and meaningless um i think is i think your description and, like, was he spent a lot of time like there was no like there was no need for, I mean, in my opinion, I mean, you could have just said that because I don't have a PhD and the other witnesses had PhDs that he's going to take their accounts, into, yeah. you know, which I, which I don't necessarily agree with just because as we've talked about before with the work that we do, I mean, there's, because the peer review system doesn't have peers in the gun war, you know, that have extensive backgrounds with firearms specifically, it's difficult to be able to fully understand the peer review system in the academic you know world but then at the same time we fully acknowledge that because um a lot of the research that's done on firearms has been done by collectors you know there is no vetting system there too so it's it's difficult and and i thought i brought that up the nuanced kind of difficulties in in my bio part of the testimony but it didn't really matter you know and it was weird because you know the judge spent time saying that i had no bona fides um from an academic perspective and that you know we i had this University of Wyoming Research Center, which we just founded. And I said that, you know, I think I said 2022 in the, you know, so it's not like it, you know, and he went through and said that that wasn't really anything. And that my only other academic credit was when I was a teaching assistant at Delaware. And I just was really interested in that perspective, just because, I mean, I also, you know, built and re, or I also rebuilt, you know, an, an American Alliance of Museums accredited firearms museum, you know, dealing with 40,000 square feet, working with external experts to make sure our research was good. You know, we had our internal team. I mean, it was just, it was weird to overlook all of that. It was weird to overlook, um, you know, what I did for, you know, the, I've done stuff for the National Park Service. It was just interesting because it was almost like the mindset was if it's museums, then it doesn't count. And that oh. is kind of hurtful. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was, a, I mean, it was, and like, if you're trying to be, 
I think a reasonable, if something I disagree with approach would have been to say, well, we have these expert witnesses that are PhDs and there's a lot of material and a limited time to roll in this case. So I'm just going to look at like, I could kind of get that as like, all right, I got to look at these and weight them higher because they do have PhDs and your testimony. Like that's why I'm skipping over it. But like the way to go through everything like clearly looked at your entire resume. Yeah, like cherry you got all the way back like. to my teaching assistantship. Then you right, know like, you went through like the other 20 things that I have done professionally. Attacked you on the weakest points of your resume and then like skipped anything that would have given you credibility and then said that these other guys are credible. Like, it, I guess the, I, I, I wouldn't love it, but the blanket sort of, well, I'm going to rule on these guys because they are PhDs and ignore the non-PhD testimony and not great, but whatever, but to like cherry pick, that seems really personal. Like I have read every line item of your resume and I'm just going to be mean to you. Like, and, and then to not deal with any of the substance stuff to say, well, you don't, you don't have, a, you know, your, your testimony is not credible because it doesn't come back with a PhD, not your testimony is not credible because it doesn't address the content or it's not well-researched or it's not Well, and I think else. there was you know, a disconnect because he did say, you know, that the my declaration doesn't address certain things, but that wasn't what I was hired to write about. And that wasn't, and I never pretended that that was what I was going to write about in my document. So it was just, there seemed to be a disconnect, which, you know, people are entitled to their opinions. The one that kind of, um, I guess irked me. Um, well, I mean, the whole thing was disappointing. Um, you know, to be honest, Danny, it's not stuff I haven't said before. You know, we've talked about this, you know, our, you know, experience and our work versus, you know, how PhDs are received and that kind of thing. So we, I mean, it, it you know, it is what it is in that. But I think the one that was weird to me was there was a footnote that referenced the University of Wyoming's Firearms Research Center, which we're actually in the process of, building out a super comprehensive website um, that will be a resource for people right now, as well as one that will cultivate scholarship moving forward. But that costs money. And so we've been focusing on, we did a, a continuing legal education uh, you know, summit like a month ago on conservation policy. And, you know, we, we partner with Duke and do different events. So it's not like we don't do things. It's just, we, you know, building up the kind of public image that we want to build, you know, we're working on it right now, but we were literally just founded in the summer, you right. know? So, but the one thing that I thought was weird was he pulled a blog post from the USCCA, which is the United States Concealed Carry Association, um, that was about our research center. And um, it, like he references that, but then he finds a quote on the USCCA's website that has nothing to do with me or that article and says that, you know, clearly my biases are obvious. And I was like, I mean, if people want to do like stories about stuff that we're doing, I mean, that's, doesn't mean that we, you know, agree or disagree with something that's completely separate on a website. I mean, I've been very, if you listen to my interviews, I mean, if I don't agree with someone on my interview, you know, about something, I will say so. I mean, I've, I have stopped a lot of interviews when people tried to shit talk Senator Blumenthal um, during my testimony. And I said, you know what, credit where credit's due. He read my report and we talked before and afterwards, you know, so that felt really, um, on not underhanded, but well, and you, it, 
and you you have no control over what somebody writes about you online. And, and like, I would love it if other sources, you know, would write more about what we're doing, you know, but it's just the reality of some of the biases that come from both sides of the community, you know? And so I, I mean, we talked about this before. I would answer questions for anyone. I mean, I've answered questions for CNN off the record so that they can help do their research. I mean, um, but that kind of stuff, I mean, if that to me was like, it didn't matter that I did all that stuff or even if I said any of that stuff because it just felt like it was fishing for something. Um, and I don't know, it was, that was the only part that I was like, that's feels well, and Weird. I think I think you're actually being pretty generous in trying to understand this as a like actual critique and not just a super political like, I mean, without getting into the specifics, like to me, the thing read very politically because I read this sort of the summary and, um, you know, the there's a expert testimony that does have a PhD that couldn't tell you the difference between a single shot sharps and a repeater if and they actually paid him. Um, but you take that credibility, you know, you take that witness as credible. And, and I think, like I said, I think you're being kind. I think this is just political. And so the ruling took the opportunities to tear you down and ignore all the stuff that might build up your resume. Like you sit on the editorial board of a peer reviewed journal, you founded a museum, you've worked hands-on with firearms and know their characteristics. Like, are you seriously going to tell me that if you want to testify about firearms, that having experience with them is a disqualifier, which is effectively what the ruling. Yeah. Said. Um, you know, I, yeah. Um, I, to, and to some extent it was, it was really eye opening, if nothing else for me, because, uh, well, one thing is, is that I, I do recall, I mean, I, and maybe this is being a girl to some extent, because I feel like this is totally something that women like have messed up in their heads. Um, like, I almost don't like I feel like somebody else should write my background and qualifications because because my husband was saying that because I, you know, he's now testifying. And and I was like, you know, put, pointing out things in his because I'm like, well, I, I mean, like, I know you have to, but I just as I don't know, as a woman, I hate to say that, but I just feel like women are kind of, you know, dismissed when you start to do that as arrogant. Um, I mean, I know that from specific experience from institutions, I won't say their name of, um, you know, but like, you know, and so I think that there's just this, I, I really needed to have explained what the Cody Firearms Museum was. Um, and so I've learned from that and be like, all right, okay, I need to be a little bit more clear. I need to not assume that people know, you know, what I'm doing. And then some of the more recent testimonies, I really spent time to say, you know, Cody Firearms Museum is American Alliance Museums accredited. It is 200,000 people through the door every year. You know, those kind of stats that I don't think people think, you know, when they see it and they're like, okay, Firearms Museum, it must be like, you know, Billy Bob's Basement Emporium. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry what a great name um you know so like you know highlighting that and so that was really helpful you know and then like I'm the type of person I want to be as thorough as possible and I you know I'm always trying to you know strive to get as accurate information as possible and I'm not gonna lie I'm always stressing it like oh my god was I you know how was I you know perceived was my research good all of that and I said I said to Mark I'm like well that was not anything I had factored into my equation of checklist of things you know that could have gone wrong but um I guess the one thing that I hope is that um, as the case moves forward, I would really like to uh, be deposed because um, I just think there's so much more 
that can happen in a deposition to be able to kind of give more, you know, guidance, explanations, you know, clearly um, when I'm, you know, when I'm talking about this history, you know, it becomes clear that I do know what I'm talking about. You know, it's the same stuff I've always dealt with. Um, and then I would really, I would love the opportunity to testify in front of the judge because I just feel like Sometimes I feel like you just have to kind of like, I'm very, <laughs> we know we've talked about this before. Am I a believable witness? Uh, <laughs> you know, I can seem very unbelievable, especially considering my age and my gender. Um, and so like you see this and you're like, mm, you know, it was like when I first became the curator of Cody and some old gun guy was like, that sounds like a political position, you know, and then people meet me and I get to answer questions. And, you know, I've always been very open about whether I know the answer or not. So I hope if I'm involved moving forward that I get the opportunity. Um, you know, I tend to really like to talk to people that have, you know, a perception of me that may or may not be something I agree with or other people agree with, because I think it just helps you learn about yourself. I sound like I'm in like a like in a pageant, but I really do genuinely like appreciate that. Like it. it yes, it hurt. It, it hurt because I worked so hard in my career. But, you know, I, you do learn things about the way you're perceived, the way you need to kind of communicate that moving forward. And so I have learned. <laughs> Actually, the the real lesson just hit me. This is exciting. This is really exciting that this judge has um, taken time out <laughs> of their day to. Did you have history unloaded on your resume that you submitted? FYI. Um, yeah. It's a CV. I mean, so, you have to put pretty much everything. Right. I mean, unless I forgot something, but yeah, I think. This is great news because obviously the podcast has grown since we started this thing. We've got more listeners. Um, and it means that. U.S. and state courts are obviously among our listeners. If they're taking the time to answer the question that we pose to our listeners, is Ashley believable? Because Harsh, within the same Danny. week, we've had one judge, we've had one judge say yes, Ashley is believable, and another judge say well, no. Well, I've so had several judges really, say all I'm that believable. Means is that this was listening. the first one. <laughs> we've had several judges as listeners. Is the only thing I can take away, and they just decided to answer the question we posed to them in that episode. Yeah, they, I mean, obviously obviously did and the other good news is that this only means that eventually my knowledge of the supreme court is very very limited so i'll preface with that however it is my understanding that the supreme court does like to issue rulings especially in cases where two lower courts have issued opposite rulings like a lower district court says this is cool and a lower district court says now nah, this isn't cool and that's where the supreme court likes to step in and give clarity so now we have two, at least two rulings where one said you're not believable and one said you are. So that. Yes, because I am the crux the Supreme of the Court importance is, of this case. <laughs> the Supreme Court is going to have to step in and issue a ruling on if Ashley's believable. Oh, no. oh Tiani, don't even. Don't <laughs> even, Danny. That's literally the most terrifying thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, Sorry. That's. And I had something to say, but I that just caused like terror in my soul. <laughs> so, I don't know. I guess. Oh, I, I you know the one thing though that I I'm gonna just keep doing is I mean I've built a career off of really trying to reach everybody, and I'm just gonna keep doing that. I mean, it, you know, if somebody wants to say, I mean, obviously, like you learn day one of graduate school that objectivity is not real and that there will always be external factors that influence, you know, your opinions. And that's for sure. Um, you know, but that's why I, so often when I do my scholarship, I let people 
on all sides of the debate, read my stuff because it does provide me. I mean, we did with Cody. Um, it does provide me with a good perspective on the way I'm communicating and if I can communicate more effective. So I'm just going to keep doing that because, you know, to me, this was one outlier of somebody who had a problem with me, whereas I've spent a lot of time with pro and anti-gun groups and they don't seem to share that opinion. Um, I'm sure, you know, pro and anti-gun groups can share lots of opinions if they don't know me or have worked with me, but the ones that do, you know, do share an opinion that I do try to be fair and balanced, but it also goes back to the, you know, other podcasts we've said where, you know, to, to pro-gun people, I'm, you know, an anti-gun liberal and to, you know, anti-gun people, I'm like a pro-gun conservative and I'm none of the. <laughs> none of these things, you know? So it's like, you know, cause we always used to joke that if, you know, people on both sides are, you know, making assumptions about me and misinterpreting who I am, then you might be doing something right. <laughs> well, and it gets back to one the thing that we've talked about before and we don't need to like belabor again, but this idea that like academia will not take a like gun research seriously, like historical firearms research, like and and even to an extent, like nowadays, like military history research, I feel like is like taking a weird backseat in priority um, and like firearms, if they're viewed as anything or like seen as a subset of that, but they don't take it seriously. And then when you try and say, all right, cool, I'm gonna do the research anyway, then they're like, well, you're not a PhD. Well, you guys wouldn't let me in for a PhD proposal with this anyway. So like, it's this weird catch 22. Um, and it's just that's, I think the, that's the thing that's most frustrating for me is um, we work in this space. We're very knowledgeable about our material, but like you keeping that kind of content out and then using the fact that it's not a part of the in things to study as like a reason to further keep it out is just, it's really, it's really frustrating and part of the worst parts of academia, not that there aren't solid things that I appreciate about, you know, higher learning but um this one i don't know even know got into that question this to me always read as like a political decision more than a um actual you know actually engaging with what you had to say historically yeah um, well, and that's partly why, you know, the University of Wyoming, I'm working so hard with George Moxery on getting this website up um, and then also encouraging scholarship. I think in 2023, I can't remember if it's spring or fall 2023. I mean, George is going to have a firearms geared course, you know, to start this kind of like, we need to think about firearms in different ways. Um, you know, and, and then there are people around the country like David Yamane at Wake Forest, who has a sociology of guns course. I mean, so these things exist. They're just so siloed. Um, they exist uh, all around the country and they exist with different, you know, opinions on the same information or, you know, different fields of study about similar information. And so I really want to take what we're trying to build at the University of Wyoming and be like, you know, okay, so it takes time to get, you know, scholarship and, uh, you know, not scholarship, but like student scholarships, so like students really engaging with this, it'll take time, but there are all these people already teaching things and already doing their scholarship. They just don't, they're not, they're not unified. They don't know that other people are doing it or any of that stuff. And so that's really what I want to see kind of immediately happen with the University of Wyoming, because like we already know a lot of those scholars and they feel like they're operating off by themselves. And so if we have an outlet for them to produce their scholarship on our site or share their scholarship on our site or come and do programming on the sociology of guns or whatever, um, 
that allows us to make a direct impact while we do the work to build up scholarship by students into the future. It just takes time, you know, and that's been something that Danny, you and I have been on our soapbox for, I've been on my soapbox for over a decade being like, this takes time. We need to put the foundation in now because, you know, this scholarship will hopefully be important because even when I was in DC working with um, Democrat and Republican congressmen and women and, and senators, I mean, their research assistants have to find information to help inform their decisions on policy. But if there's an unclear line as to what information is good information or bad information, then those poor people whose jobs it is to find it, they can't find it or they don't know how to vet what they find. And so that's why I'm pushing so hard, even though, you know, anything at a university is a little slow going, because I think that, you know, we need to do better for the people who are doing the research for the decision makers. Mic so drop. This leads me to a couple questions. What do I really want for um, Christmas? What do you really want for Christmas? That'll be the end of the, the podcast. Do we, to actually like make some progress here, do we either start shopping for PhDs for you in like the Caribbean or something like a, like a, like the MDs that like go overseas to get their doctorate and then come back and like, oh, oh like uh, we've had people um, in Cody um, get their degrees in like Scotland and England and things. Oh, well, no, sorry. You I, meant, I don't mean you like meant that i meant like we find the diploma mill somewhere either in the u.s or <laughs> do overseas. you have that little faith there are plenty me, of legitimate <laughs> universities well i'm just trying to get this done in six days <laughs> christmas is nigh upon us or do we take the 19th century female author route and have you start submitting all of your court testimony as a different name <laughs> to gain more credibility I'm a ghostwriter Yes. <laughs> for middle-aged white dudes yeah you just you just make up some john smith sounding name and submit your court documents that way and be taken more seriously i don't know <laughs> that's probably some level of illegal to i think it's very illegal but... um well the other thing i want to share that i said to danny last week was you know so i to the viewers i got a nose ring um last last week and um this ruling came out the next day and the weekend before i got my nose ring i told my parents i was getting a nose ring and my mom's literal answer was well nobody will take you seriously professionally and i was like no mom have you seen my resume and then this Maybe all she happened called the judge. <laughs> And I can't take the nose ring out for six to eight weeks while it heals. So it's like, I was like, no, I have to do deposition and all kinds of stuff with my nose ring in. Um, so I would just like to say, thanks, mom. This is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was like so like such a funny juxtaposition. Great. <laughs> Listen, Danny, if you want to be taken more seriously, you got to start juxtaposing things. I have to start using the word juxtaposition. Yeah. That'll get people to take me seriously. Um, so anyways, what do I want for Christmas? Yeah. So what do you really want for Christmas? Well, that's what we'll end um, on. So this is going to sound really lame. I don't actually really want anything. Don't say I'm, world I'm peace. very happy um but like this is the first christmas so since we you know have lexi now during the school year um my stepdaughter 
Um, I we're gonna get to like have Christmas with her. So like um Christmas Eve into Christmas. So before it was, you know, Christmas Eve with mom into Christmas morning, and then we got Christmas. Um, and then we alternated New Year's. Um, so it's a little bit different now. So like what I I have been like like I've bought way too many presents and I've got stockings and stocking stuffers and gifts for everybody. And I, my mom got me a lattice roller for my Wellington. Um, so like what I really want for Christmas is just like that magical Christmas for her. Uh, Cause like I asked for like, I don't know, Lululemons and some shit, but like, I just really like want like a full blown Christmas, you know, cause even though she's 15, I mean, I want that full and we're going to be up at our cabin. So if it snows, that'd be even awesome. Or <laughs> credibility. And you say we should take you seriously. <laughs> Funner. Isn't that like the horrible, not word. Um, I mean, in this whole podcast, we've been, we've been railing that we should be taken more seriously. And at the beginning, we self-admitted that we did not do the easiest homework of all, which was watch a movie. And we regularly make up words and you just used awesomer or funner. And so, you know, we're very credible people. here. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't like there's really I had I gave him a list of things. I told my mom I wanted like grown up wine glasses because like I just learned that white wine goes in a different type of glass than red wine. Right. Every wine Ooh. has a different glass, Danny. I bet the judge knew that. He knew what's like. <laughs> He's like, this he girl knew, drinks out of a box. <laughs> this, she she don't even know how many wine glasses. So, like there. that was like I was like I want one that like I'm like do they have like a sampler set? <laughs> like I ask her stupid shit like that that like I wouldn't necessarily buy for myself, but truly I just like want that whole Christmas experience up in the snow with a in a cabin with real wood fire i assume fire in the fireplace yeah 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 uh, you just said fire is sort of all encompassing. Uh, so that's what i want and i also want to get rid of get done with all of my work i have one more testimony going in tomorrow so that when we drive up on wednesday evening that is what i want for christmas i want to not work and not have emails and i want to be left alone because i'm tired and i'm sleepy and then you watch a Christmas story. And then whatever Christmas movie we were supposed to watch, we watch it. It'll be perfect. It'll, so next to a fire. Next to a fire that may or may not be. I would rather have a fire, like a fire in a fireplace, than a dumpster fire, which I feel like happened last week. So fire in a fireplace. Not a dumpster fire. Specific wine glasses for whatever wine you're drinking, and a nice Christmas scene at a cabin. That is what your Christmas yeah. wish list. That's a pretty good list, actually. Yeah. That's very. Yeah, you were like, I'd like a tripod for my binoculars. Yeah, I'm like, I want stuff to go hunting. I don't know. I mean, that's all that legit too, list. but I don't know. Ironically, I want nothing to do. My with list when well, I was a kid was just. Ironically, I want nothing to do video with firearms. Games. Like I'm good. <laughs> I think at one point I did ask for night vision when I was a kid, having no idea what night or, vision. Yeah, was. I was gonna I say I'm like that cool. is not a cheap request, Danny. You're not getting that on a curator salary. Well, if you would like to send me some, I will put that on my list. That's my I list. Not just sitting on night vision, Danny. Anyways, my understanding of you is probably not accurate. <laughs> like everybody else, apparently in America. Well, on that note, 
This has been an interesting thing to talk about. I think you are credible and that the judge was pretty full of it and very political. You were being very generous to him, which is very nice of you considering the season. Oh, yeah. It's just the way I operate as a person. I only cried a little bit. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know, guys. We'll be back at some point. We haven't figured any of this out. We're going to take a little break and then we'll have another season. But I have no idea when that's going to be. It all depends on when Danny can pay Camille and I again to spend time with him. Season seven, TBD. All right. Have a good rest of your holiday. Merry Christmas. Bye.